When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings Atlanta Falcons Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar and Judd Zulgad here from the U.S. Bank Stadium press box. And Judd, uh, right away, I just want to bring up, I'm very concerned about the Vikings passing game. Nah, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, I see uh, what you're doing. A 28-12 victory for the Vikings. And last week at some point, Judd, I said, if this is a blowout, if the Vikings come out and just whoop the Atlanta Falcons, then I won't feel like I learned a whole lot about how this team is going to react in the big NFC North games, the big road games, how they're going to take on the adversity. And I'm going to stick with that. I mean, this from the very beginning was a whooping and it was nothing but a whooping and the Atlanta Falcons did not really show up at all. And so it's a great win for the schedule. It's a great win for the playoff chances and for what it could mean down the road. But in terms of trying to have the big picture takeaways from this team, Judd, I'm not sure that I really learned a whole lot other than Dan Quinn might get fired at some point if the Falcons continue to play like this. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, keep in mind, too, Kirk Cousins' first year with this team, Matthew, in 2018, they opened in this very building, U.S. Bank Stadium, against the, uh, the San Francisco uh, 49ers. And if you recall, they won that game. Now, it was not a blowout like this. But, yeah, you, you certainly cannot take uh, week one and say that's it. But I will say this. I think if you were to have pumped Mike Zimmer full of truth serum and said, Mike, your your defense going to play great in game one, and you are going to essentially roll the Falcons. And, Mike, here are the final statistics <laughs> I'm going to give you. Your quarterback, your $28 million per season quarterback, Kirk Cousins, is going to be 8 of 10 for 98 yards and a touchdown. And, by the way, a very decent passer rating efficiency of 140.8. And Dalvin Cook, your star running back, is going to run for two touchdowns, 111 yards and 21 carries. And the, uh, the run-to-pass ratio, because you're blowing them out, is 38 runs to 10 attempts. Mike would have said, oh, my God, this sounds like the best dream I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yes. So so while and and post game, Mike and Kirk and everybody said, you know, this is not the template. We can't count on, on this. But for Gary Kubiak's first game, this was as as basically perfect as he could have drawn it up because this did everything to essentially tell Kirk, you know what, Kirk? You don't need to win games here. All you need to do is not screw up. And, oh, by the way, Dalvin Cook, you are key. So this was, I, I think, that Mike is going to watch the offensive tape at least and be very happy with what Kubiak dialed up today. Well, you should, if you are Mike Zimmer, be very happy with the fact that Delvin Cook is making you look good in this game and making you look very right for 
bringing in Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison and saying, look, we really want to have more balance, which means I want Delvin Cook to have the football all the time in his hands. And as we talked about running backs all through the offseason and how they've been devalued and no one wants to pay them and everything else, the running game, running efficiency is worth a lot of points if you can succeed at it. Now, I don't know if that means that you should necessarily give Delvin Cook a contract extension today, but if you have a better running back than everybody else has in the league, like Delvin Cook looked like today, that is a huge advantage for you. And not only can Cook run the ball as successfully as he did, but he could do other things that I think we're going to see as the season goes along in the passing game. I mean, in this game, we didn't see him as uh, a wide receiver or anything like that. They can get creative with him, but they didn't need to in this game. It was pretty much give him the ball and he's going to create 19 yard run, 21 yard run, big play after big play. And when there's any gap whatsoever there, he finds it and just explodes through it. He is one of the just quickest, fastest running backs. And I know Adrian Peterson played here, but with his, it's a quickness. I feel like he's shiftier though. Don't you? Very shifty. Peterson would try and kill you. Yeah. Like he would try and run through you. I feel like Delvin can basically turn sideways and and look like he's a piece of cardboard because he gets through these holes just exceptionally well. No, he is a, if he could play 16 games, it changes the dynamic completely. And actually, to a certain degree, now I do agree that Kirk is going to, to ordinarily have to throw the ball more. But I think to a certain degree, we saw why the Vikings signed Cousins. It was never to say, go out there and beat teams because you're Montana, Brady, and Rodgers, right? It was because they said, you're an upgrade on Keenum, uh, but but our run game, Delvin Cook, is, is an exceptional player. Our blocking scheme works. So instead of saying the offensive line sucks and I'm going to break down Tom Compton, this right, you basically say, Okay, the offensive line might not be great, but the scheme actually does work. So I just think today proved um, offensively to a large degree what Zimmer wanted, which was to him an offense that made sense. And I don't think the desire of people who really knew what they were talking about was to ever go to Kirk and say, here's the football, go win games. Because I don't think it's possible, and I think he basically admits he can't do that. Yep, and I totally agree with that. And all he was supposed to be was Case Keenum – but against good defenses, be able to go back and forth in a shootout, which we saw last year against the Los Angeles Rams, but at other times we did not. In G- fact, game most two of against the times. Packers. Game two he against did the Packers, that. he did, right. But uh, in other games, as the season went along, when the defense wasn't perfect, Kirk Cousins often um, could not match. And a lot of times the offense just didn't show up at all. So this is not to put a Super Bowl ring on them in any way, shape or form. But with the way that they have designed this to have Delvin Cook running as much as he is and the scheme was it just looked really good. I don't think it was just Atlanta playing poorly. I mean, at one point they did what is called a pin and pull, or at least that's how it looked like to me, which is a power running scheme. And that was the 19 yard run. And Adam Thielen makes a great block on that play. And, uh, you know, overall, they were doing some different things, mixing it up, not just the zone runs. So if you came in only preparing for one type of run from Delvin Cook, they sort of mixed and matched a little bit of uh, scheme there. And I thought that the offensive line, for the most part, looked like it was mobile and I, I caught a, a really good Garrett Bradbury reach block, huh? right? Oh, uh, and thank you, even, Alex and, Boone. And even Irv Smith came up with a really nice block uh, down by the goal line when they pounded Delvin Cook into the end zone. So the running game looks like 
especially with the way that they've designed the offensive line to fit the scheme, which it clearly did not last year, that you combine that with one of the most skilled backs in the league and you can put a big focus on the running game. But the other part of that is with this game, when the other team turns the ball over like Atlanta did, gives you a blocked punt, gives you two interceptions, gives you a fumble every time they were moving the ball, you don't have to throw it a whole lot. All Kirk had to do was throw the one touchdown and then just keep giving the ball to Cook and Alexander Madison. Mm -hmm. uh, today also went back to something I think that you talked about a lot last year or two years back, I, I forget, but it definitely rang true. And that is the fact that e even some of the top QBs in this league, Matt Ryan is a top QB, right? I mean, yeah. he's ordinarily. So they come into to this building and it's just too much. I mean, Matt Ryan and this Falcons offense from the start of this game were flustered. And, and you could tell there's guys like Rodgers, if he's playing well, or Breeze. It gets to them, but they manage it. So, so and eventually what, what they do, I think, is it might get to them for a while, but they figure it out and then start to pick things apart and quiet the, quiet the opposing building, in this case, U.S. Bank Stadium down, and then have success. Matt Ryan was flustered from the first snap and made some terrible plays and dumb decisions. And I'm with you. It's hard to gauge a ton off this game based on the fact that the Falcons played such a poor game. But I also think that the building itself in how, how loud it gets and also the Vikings probably defensively as well deserve credit because th this is the formula for if you could say, what do you want for your home games? This is it today, right? Yep, absolutely. And uh, you're totally right about how it impacts quarterbacks. And we saw it right from the very beginning, not only quarterbacks, but offensive line. Because Anthony Barr said on his first sack that he was like surprised that the left tackle blocked the complete other way when the left tackle's assignment should have been Anthony Barr. But that's communication. When the crowd is as loud as it is here, you see offensive lines struggle all the time. And this is why I've thought if the Vikings have home playoff games, they probably win them because of how difficult it is to play here. And then you ramp that up to the playoff atmosphere. And so right off the very beginning, there's a miscommunication on the line. Mm -hmm. Anthony Barr gets a free rush and a sack. And then the rest of the game, Daniil Hunter should be arrested. He committed homicides out there. I mean, he did Well, the Falcons started a rookie things. right yes. tackle, correct? Yes, he did. He <laughs> That's did, a Falcon problem. He did very bad things. If you remember the old commercial with Bruce Smith, bad things, man, bad things. Well, that, that was Daniil Hunter. And Everson Griffin was very good too today and got a couple sacks. But Daniil Hunter was back there all the time. And then when there's that much pressure and there's that much noise and there's that much talent on the field and Harrison Smith ducking out and doing different things to mess with quarterbacks. I mean, this was the Vikings defense as you draw it up. And then quarterbacks, even when they get those opportunities, then they make mistakes. So the cornerback falls down on a play and it, wide open is Julio Jones. Easy touchdown, but Matt Ryan overthrows him. And there were a couple of more plays like that. He shot put the football, though. Yeah, That's what I don't it, get. He literally, instead of stepping up and just making the throw, go back and watch it. It looks like it's a damn shot put. Yeah, no, it does. Like, and, what are you doing, Matt Ryan? You're Matt Ryan. That's what I mean, though, is like when these guys get anxious, even the best quarterbacks getting anxious because of the amount of pressure yep. and as well as the Vikings defense is playing, then you make mistakes where plays should easily be there. And with last year, there were a lot of times where this defense was dominant, but it was usually against bad teams. They dominated against the Jets last year. Okay, congratulations. They dominated, got 10 sacks against the Detroit Lions. 
Good for you. The Miami Dolphins, yay. But the better teams... The, car- off- the Cardinals. They the, flustered yes. the Cardinals. Uh, but better teams... Everyone flustered the I Cardinals. Know, poor Josh Rosen. Um, but uh, you know, the better teams had a little more success. I mean, we know about the Rams game, but even after they fixed things, there were third downs, big third down plays in Week 17 where even Mitch Trubisky made some throws and made some plays on them. And the same thing went for when they went to Soldier Field and so on. And to play like this against a top-notch quarterback, Julio Jones was back. He didn't do a darn thing. They couldn't run the football at all. They turned it over twice on two great interceptions by Anthony Harris. I mean, this was one of those defensive performances like we haven't seen in a while where everyone contributes to it, even guys that you don't always expect like Harris. And you come away with a very easy victory against a team that is supposed to be good. Now, I, I thought the slight surprise defensively, and this, as you talked about, it was from the first play uh, that the Falcons had, and I actually love this, was Anthony Barr, who came back, actually did apply pressure today. Now, he has in the past. I'm not trying to insinuate that he, he has not, Matthew, but it did look like today that there was a coherent plan to get him to run, which I think he's great. If he drops back into coverage, he's not great. He's okay. I don't think he's a disaster. But if he, but if you don't know what, what he's doing, I think it's a huge advantage. And that was the one thing that I've wondered the past couple of years is, is Anthony Barr's role going to be uh, changed a bit? And I think we all decided that in 2018, it really wasn't. I'm not trying to say that he's going to rush consistently in 2019 because I don't think he is. But I do think that there is a there's an element to a guy like Anthony Barr or Harrison Smith when you don't know what they're going to do. It's hell. Yep. If you're a quarterback, it's absolute hell. And if I'm pretty sure that Anthony Barr is going to consistently uh, play the same coverage or do the same thing, he's still a pain in the ass. But today I thought it was hell to play against him. And I, I love the fact that I did think – that there are going to be more creative wrinkles, I guess, in this defense than we might have seen last year. And this is where Mike Zimmer is brilliant when it comes to the defensive play calling. So last year, they kind of bailed out of the double-A gap looks and started sending overload blitzes and things like that. And then today, they come out with double-A gap looks right away, but they weren't necessarily blitzing up the middle like they have in the past, but they're showing it. So it's, all right, now what's going on here? Is that back? Are they going to send those guys up the middle? And they were also able to rotate some defensive players in, including Hercules Mata'afa, who, by the way, I mean, I thought did a pretty decent job aside from Zim told jumping you. offside. Zim told you. But there, there was a point in training camp where we weren't sure if he was going to make the roster, and here is another defensive player coming in and showing up with this very, very good team. And I think that a big part of that is younger players like Mata Afa, Chris Boyd played a lot in this game because Xavier Rhodes, surprise, surprise, was dinged up. But, uh, you know, same sort of story. When you have so much talent around you, then it makes everything easier. Then you just have to do what you have to do and not worry about anything else if you're a young player. And that probably helped Chris Boyd and Hercules Mata Afa. So I come away from this game, Judd, thinking at home, this Vikings defense can once again be very, very good. And even if Xavier Rhodes has his struggles at times, like he did today. He missed the series again, right? He missed the series yeah. again, and there was another time where he was talking to the trainer and had to come off the field. Yep. Even if that happens, you just have to sort of, and you've said this in the past, assume that Zimmer is going to train somebody to be able to go out there and do their job like Chris Boyd Look Boyd's at J. Ron Curse. J. Ron Curse played a ton because – 
Alexander went down in what? I believe it was right before halftime, second quarter, uh, with, with an elbow problem. He's going to have an, an MRI on Monday. He might miss time. Ordinarily, you'd say, oh, my God, that's your nickelback. It's essentially a starter. J. Ron Curse came in in that uh, three safety package and played fantastic, I thought. Yep, and they've been developing Anthony Harris these had guys two picks for years. Today. Yep. No, but I, he, uh, they are continually it's, – it, it's like a, a system. They are continually developing guys in the secondary – who can step in and, for the most part, I, I think since Mike got here, be pretty proficient, right? Na name me the last guy that, that had developed. So I'm not saying stepped in as a rookie because those guys can certainly struggle. But name me the last guy who had been developed sufficiently by this defense and you said, oh, he's terrible. That used to happen all the time yeah, here. Yeah, right. And really with Mike – um, it's it, no, it, it, it's it, takes, it takes time for guys to learn, but once they do learn, that's a hell of a system that they've got where if a guy goes out or a guy leaves or a guy gets hurt, he can be replaced pretty quickly. We thought that Curse couldn't play early on. We thought that Mackenzie Alexander couldn't play early that's on. What I'm and exactly. These guys just developed. Even uh, Anthony Harris at one point was sort of going in and out with Curse, and we weren't really sure if he was going to be able to step in last year for Anderson Dejo, and yet he stepped in for Anderson Dejo and was legitimately great last year, and then here he comes out and gets two picks today. It, it really does seem like anybody – that they decide to bring in, that they know exactly what they're looking for. Yep. And one of the things that is consistent across those players is a high level of intelligence. And I'm not saying that uh, Holton Hill makes the greatest decisions ever, um, but they find these guys. I mean, undrafted Anthony Harris, seventh-round J. Ron Curse. You spend a couple minutes talking to those guys, and you're like, oh, these are these are bright dudes. They get it, like, yep. they pick up on what they're asked to do pretty quickly, and they develop pretty quickly, and they also understand. J. Ron Curse told me in training camp, he said, like, I just wanted to find a way on the field. He said when he got drafted, he was thinking, I'm going to come in and be the best safety in the league. And then you get here, okay, you're not going to be. Right. And so how can I get on the field? What can I do? How can I develop? How can I get better? And here he is stepping in as a nickelback at a six but foot think about four. That for a right. I know it's he's really a impressive. He's six foot four and he's playing a position that, and, and you know what? Name me a play that you saw after Alexander went out and Curse replaced him where you thought, ooh. That looked bad. I can't name one. No, today. I can't either. He he said to me that he missed the tackle, and I think I remember it along the sideline. But other than that, I mean, there wasn't uh, anything to speak of where you said, "Oh, he made a mistake there." Uh, on the defensive side, yep. I think the biggest development, if there was one today, anything that you could say, "All right, we can carry this over." There's one thing. Can you guess what I'm thinking? This is going to be a new fun game we play okay, all the time. All right. You so guess what, what I'm trying to get at. So one thing on the defensive side of the football for the Vikings. That you that really be, needed to find out today, and you did. I don't know. I'm stumped. Well, I'll say this, that when we get to watch training camp every day, yep. we usually have it right in terms of how players look, and it usually carries over in practice. This is not a Kyle Sloter point. This is an Everson Griffin point. Everson Griffin looked awesome in training camp he looked jacked up he looked dialed in whatever you want to say about it mm -hmm. and he was terrific today I mean just a dominant player as he usually is he looked I don't want to quite say 2017 because he had a sack in every game for the first like 10 games right but he was blowing by his man he was wreaking havoc the the part where I, I was really impressed was he got a sack 
And then he just jumped up and had that same energy. He was like on the logo dancing and that sort of thing. But then even in the fourth quarter, when they should have taken him out, he was still creating pass rush pressure. And this was the motor of the defense that they lacked when he was gone last year. And and even when he came back, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. And the motor wasn't the same. And when you have him and Daniel Hunter playing at that high of a level, it's impossible to go against. You needed to find that out today. He's playing for cash now. He is. Yeah. I, I believe if he has a decent year, it voids his contract. And he, cause he took the pay cut to stay here, but yeah, they, uh, um, you bring up okay. You bring up a great point. You have to explain this to me. You brought up Griffin. I'll bring up Dalvin Cook. Late in the game, you're up by a lot. Take him out. Why are they still in the game? It's Dalvin Cook. And and by the way, I'm not now. I am fearful, given his injury history, that Dalvin is going to get hurt. But let's say I'm not. Just workload wise, like there's no, there was no reason for that guy to have a carry in the fourth quarter today. There was none. Yep. Just workload. Forget he might sprain an ankle or or hurt a knee. I'm saying from let's look at the carries, right? And, and if if he had been at 98 yards, I might have said okay, I, I get it. But he wasn't. There was no compelling case not to take a guy like that out of the game and say, great job and you're done. Yep, I totally agree and. You know, from the standpoint of Dalvin Cook and the injury stuff, I understand completely why people say if he stays healthy blank because he hasn't through his first two years. He was dinged up at times at Florida State. But I don't think that his injuries were things that you would look at and say, oh, well, what if he tears the ACL again? I mean, that can always happen to anybody who walks out on that field at any time. And the hamstring was related to the ACL. He had an entirely injury-free preseason training camp, all those things. So coming in, you think, well, unless it's anything weird or freakish, the guy should be healthy and you should be able to give him this number of carries. But once you get to a certain point when you're up 28 to six, yeah, let's not have you play anymore. Right. Take the man out. Alexander Madison's good. This is another training camp point. This team came out consistently. Mike Zimmer teammates, everybody and said, Alexander Madison is a really good player and you're going to want to see him. He didn't do a whole lot in the preseason games, but uh, look at him. I mean, he has great vision. He has great feel for running. I, I mean, I, and this is a perfect game to play in. I still think that drafting a running back in the third when you have a lot of needs is questionable because it's a running back, but they knew he was very talented. And I and another guy who's really smart, that's across the board a thing that this team does very well. And so I wasn't shocked to see him get 17-yard run, 20-yard run. Here's a Cook stat that's going to boggle your mind uh, related to the first half today in 2018. And this this just goes to show you how I think the the philosophical viewpoint of how this offense is going to run works. Uh, Delvin Cook in 2018, if I'm not mistaken, played in 11 games. By halftime of today's game, he had more yards rushing in 30 minutes than he did in eight of those 11 games total last year. And one of the games was Kevin Stefanski calling it against Miami, right? So uh, that that would be then eight of the – or nine of the 11 – wait – Sorry, no, I'm messing this up. But almost all the DiFilippo games, basically, you're yes, saying. Yes, he just didn't. He, he didn't topped get... all the DiFilippo games. Yes. Well. <laughs> and, and now he I mean... missed, I believe he missed five of those games. But but my point being is by halftime. So, so yeah. they basically, and they did the right thing. They said, you are, now, now he, okay, so Kirk Cousins post-game press conference. I'm going to 
run this by you on the Kirk-o-meter of things. Um, Kirk, of course, was happy. Said he was happy. You know, they won. You got to be happy. 1-0. and All right. But, Matthew, that being said, Kirk Cousins mentioned no fewer than two, if not three times, that there might be games that we have to win. I believe his score was... 52-51, or 51. thereabouts, basically insinuating there are games that I'm going to have to throw the football a ton. I don't think, and yes, he's going to throw it more than 10 times probably in week two at Green Bay. So I, I give you that, all right? I'm not arguing that point. But I really think that the way that this is constructed, that should not be the thought process. The thought process should be we're on to something here, and, and in Kirk's mind, Kirk should know, listen, I'll give you a 2009 term that I believe if Kirk can be this year, the Vikings could have great success. I'll take you back to the days of when we called them game managers. That's the key role, right? That's the key thing. So, and I'm not saying there might not be one or two games where it's very important that he throws key passes. Not trying to say that. But if he manages the football games in conjunction with Kubiak's scheme, offensively and this defense is outstanding that is the recipe towards a deep playoff run I mean this was a Case Keenum 2017 style football game for the quarterback right I mean not that Keenum ever threw for 98 yards but there were games where he didn't throw for that many yards maybe I can look this up while we're talking because if Zimmer's looking everything through the lens of 2017 then he wants to win like they did then and and some of that is they didn't play shootouts that year with almost anybody. I don't remember any shootouts in, in that season. It was a lot of... In the regular season? In the I regular... Think, yeah, in the I, regular season. In the no. regular season, I think you're right. It, it was mostly get ahead, play from ahead, don't have to throw the ball a lot. Latavius Murray was really good. Jarek McKinnon was really good. So there were games, let's see, against Green Bay where Case Keenum won and threw for 139 yards, 189 yards against Cincinnati, made a nice that one nice touchdown throw. It was all they needed from him. There was another win where he threw for 188 yards, another one where he threw for 140. Like Those are the style games that Mike Zimmer wants Kirk to play. I mean, his touchdown pass is excellent. He had a couple of good throws out of the 10 that he made. He had a great throw to Diggs, a, a special Cousins pass. Yep. yep. A lot of guys uh, can't the, make. Uh, the crossing route, right, yes. which he actually got pass protection. But that's one thing, though, that I would say we can't know about today. We know that against a defense that does not have any real spectacular defensive ends and clearly outside of Deion Jones, no special linebackers, and Keanu Neal was a non-factor this in this game. This is not a very good team. It's not a very good defense still for Atlanta. I may have given them more credit because I thought healthy they would look pretty good. But uh, uh, as an offensive line, the way they performed today, Cousins was rarely under pressure in the times that he dropped back, and he had a, a lot of time to throw on a couple of them, and of course they were great when it came to running the ball. So for today, it was a serviceable, if not good, offensive line performance, uh, and the quarterback did what he was supposed to do. And if, I mean, with Cousins, I, I don't know. I don't know why you say that. I mean, I, I think that I would, if I were in his shoes, or if I were advising him, I would just say, perfect, we won. I don't care how many yards I throw for, but he isn't. He tried to say that as well, but then he defaulted to there's going to be times where I have to win or when we have to win. Uh, in fact, I think his first time he said it, his direct quote was, Coach Zimmer's not going to like it, but there's times that we're going to have to – or I wouldn't be surprised. If, but that's not the point. The formula is not that. My, my point is the formula is, Kirk, you manage the game. 
if you are not relied on, listen, if you do the blind stats thing, if you just pull up Kirk Cousins' 2018 stats, then you look at some pretty impressive stats, right? But for those of us who watch the games, we all know how that season un unfolded. So this is all about not your stats, not your touchdown passes. This is all about what gets you wins. And what's going to get this team wins is for the defense to play really good football like they did today and for your offense to have a, co a combination. This goes back to your point about Mike last year. Mike was never trying to be um, 1960s guy saying, I just want to run the football because I like to run the football. He was trying to say, no, this is what works for our team with our offense. And yep. he's not wrong about that. People took it out of context because they, they just said, well, look at this old crusty guy talking about pounding the football on the ground. When what he was trying to say was, if I put the ball consistently in my, and yes, he makes a lot of money, quarterback's hands. We're going to have problems because guess what? They did. <laughs> but here, here's what Mike Zimmer wants. And he said this pretty directly to us. Uh, per throw, uh, per pass play, that is, 8.8 mm -hmm. .8 yards per pass play. Like So they got this, the one sack, and otherwise they were extremely efficient in throwing the football. And that's what you want. Like You're, you're not concerned about how many throws or how many yards it adds up to necessarily, but it's – can you get big chunks of yards when you do throw the ball? And that's why they love the play actions and everything else. And that's what the best offenses do. That's what Kirk did when he was at his absolute best in 2016 in Washington. Use the weapons that he had to create bigger plays down the field. And if Thielen ends with three catches and digs with two, that's fine if they're efficient, big plays down the field and sorry fantasy owners, right? Um, now, to the point, yeah, though. And sorry players if you don't like it, too. But in order to be a great team, they have to have this happen all the time. Yes. Like, th there can't be the games that he's describing because they'll probably end with what happened in Los Angeles where the more times he drops back, he had, what, two fumbles and another one that was close just today. And uh, I don't think that that problem is disappearing. I think he will try to do too much at times and be the same guy when those games come up. So you're much better off with him in a position where he can do a lot of play action, getting ahead. Even if you're up by three points, you can still fake handoffs and draw the attention to Delvin Cook and all those things. It's if you get the defensive performances like this, mm -hmm. you're going to win a lot of games this season. And if this falls off, which with Everson Griffin back, I wouldn't suspect that it would. But if this falls off, then you're you're going to really struggle and and that's I think what they went through last year was you needed the defense to do a lot and then they still decided they couldn't run the ball so imagine though in in fact in fact next press conference with Zim do this Imagine saying to him, hey, Mike, you know, I realize there might be a game or two where you guys give up 51 points. Oh, I think he, he'll fight me. He would come He would come over the podium at you. <laughs> can I, but it's 51 points. How can you even say that? Like, I could see saying there's going to be times, if you really need to, to reassure yourself, right? I could see saying there might need to be times I throw, you know, 25 passes or something like that. I get that. More passes than that, than 10 certainly. But imagine saying to Mike or basically telling us because he, he knows that the world's going to hear it. Uh, there might be sometimes my defense gives up 51 points. You know, the it's Minnesota a, Vikings defense. It's an odd comment, but odd comments are par for the course with Kirk Cousins yes, after games. I'm I just mean, trying to get my head around how how Zim Zim's going to have a mouthful of uh, you know Chardonnay or something tonight, <laughs> and he's going to do the old uh, spit, spit take, take yeah. when he sees his quarterback saying, "Yeah, there might be a couple times where I got to put us in a you know, hundred point game. I got to win." Yeah, it for that. Us. It, 
odd, but... Oh, by the way, congratulations, too. You wrote last year, and I believe that you, were, you asked about this for your story, and I believe that you were basically blown off about the fact that Tom Brady sneaks the football <laughs> consistently. Yeah. And I think you basically, your premise was, you don't need to be fast. Why don't you have cousins run more sneaks? And I believe that you were sort of told, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, Matthew. Thanks for doing <laughs> that story. Today we saw a touchdown, and we saw at least one other, I believe it was third and one, in which Cousins gained three yards. My point being is that somebody either read your story or looked at the same uh, statistical um, background check that you've done and said, oh, that is a good idea. I would like to point out that Kirk Cousins has been mentioning some of these things that he discovered in his search for analytics in the offseason and things that I've been writing about for a while. Uh, he's discovered them. And I was like, scorenorth.com, buddy, free website. You don't even have to sign up for anything. We got an app. And you could have been updated last year. Yeah. I mean, well, the play action thing, I wrote it probably 20 times, but it drove me crazy because he ranked somewhere in the range of 23rd or something in play action with John D. Filippos. Like, JDF, what you doing, man? What, why? Why would you not have a quarterback who has thrived in play action well, for his whole no career but not sneak, doing it? But your sneaks thing was like, and, this also makes sense because, yes, I can see saying he, he's not fast. But then yes. the point is it doesn't matter. Tom Brady well, does it. And this has been my entire deal here. Play smarter with this offense. I mean, Correct. It, it's Kirk Cousins deserves all the criticism he got last year for sure. He could have got them into the playoffs, but they did a lot of things that just flat out didn't make sense. And one of them was asking him to become a shotgun quarterback when he had been an under center quarterback. Why would you fundamentally change a fourth year quarterback and what he's asked to do? So today I only remember a couple times and usually it was on third down and long where he was in the shotgun. They're not going to do that a whole lot with him on first down. And that makes it hard for the defense to know. See, Jay Ham is in the game quite a bit. Makes it hard for the defense to know. Are Which you we love because the fullback absolutely being in the game is love always that. a good thing. Are you running? Are you passing? I mean, this stuff. Look, we all talk about offensive innovations, and there are some cool things that Sean McVay has done, and that other coaches have come up with. Some very creative stuff, the motions and things like that, and these little wrinkles. But when you break it all down. The same stuff works if you can do it, if you can execute, if you can make the throws, if you can run the routes, if you can make the catches. It's always worked for a really long time. Gary Kubiak was calling this stuff for John Elway 20 years ago, and it was working. Mm -hmm. So here you are with a great running back, a mobile offensive line that has a lot of guys who can zone block, play actions for a quarterback who could throw the ball down the field. I mean, it works. So it, it might not work every single week the way that it did today, of course, because you're not going to get all the turnovers and a punt block and everything. But this has a much better chance of working than what they were trying to do last year. So I know I started this all out by saying there can't be that many takeaways, but that is certainly one of them is, yep, all the stuff we talked about in training camp, we saw it right down to the fullback use, and at least for today, it was very successful. And I would say that it would have a good chance of being more successful as we go along. I don't foresee a 52-51 to 51 game, though, Judd. I'm sorry I don't. Game ball, I think, definitely goes to the, the new, and I don't care what anyone else calls him, head coach of offense, Gary <laughs> You just wanted he, to get that he's in. He's the head coach of offense. You know what? I think it goes to the holder, Britton Colquitt. Great holding day. Four PATs by Dan Bailey. No misses. Worth saying that Corey Vedvik lost the game oh, yeah, for the what Jets. Hap what happened in New he York? He missed the field goal right, and nothing. an extra point, and they lost by one point. 
Corey, what are you thinking, Jets? But they're the Jets. What are you thinking, Jets? But they're the, the Jets. The Vikings gave up a draft pick and still cut the guy and you signed Jets, him? Jets, Jets, Jets. There has to be some you know geriatric 50-year-old kicker you know who could have come out you know and played for them. You know what happened today? Unbelievable. Week one, Sunday, what happened was the Jets, Jet, the Browns, Browned. Oh, yeah. And the Dolphins, their game oh, plan man. is working perfectly. It is. The, the Miami Dolphins... I really do believe this. I believe that they're the first team I've seen in this league all in on tanking. Like, I think teams before have been like, yeah, we might not be very good, and it'd be, it'd be nice to get a, a high draft pick. I, the Dolphins, to me, this is NBA tanking. It's now baseball tanking. It's truly spectacular. This is, they have brought it to a level of deliciousness. And when you get beat like they did by Baltimore, I'd like to congratulate the Dolphins for having one of the best week ones I've ever seen. And we'll see how this goes for Baltimore. But I would like to say that even though they're tanking and they're bad, they actually do have some decent secondary guys. And Lamar Jackson made throws. Oh, the and Dolphins okay, yeah. if Lamar Jackson makes throws and does. is a great quarterback, I hope he's good. I'm going to have so much snark that you're going to have to drag me off the air every day about that. Him dropping to 32nd in the draft when he was a great college player. Same as Teddy did, man. I know. It's the same exact story. I don't mean to draw parallels where they shouldn't be drawn, but in this one, how can you not? Yeah. Two guys who were... It certainly had talent as quarterbacks, right? But if it's me, I would give the uh, game ball to uh, if I maybe I have to cut it in half and give it to Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin. I mean, Anthony Harris got the two picks. Great game for him. I wrote it him at our free website about him at our free website scorenorth.com. Everyone's very happy for his success. He's become a good player. But the pressure that came off the edges today yep. was marvelous for the Vikings. And if Everson Griffin plays like this, you've got a top five defense locked in. So a uh, very, very important. And guess what, too? Uh, no game ball. A pat on the head, though, to Kirk. Kirk, you did a nice job. Yeah. You managed the game well, kiddo. Now you go home and you enjoy a Diet Pepsi and a piece of pizza and come back next week in Green Bay <laughs> and manage the game again. And let's not ever dream about a 52-51 Vikings game in 2019 because if you do, something's gone very wrong. Yeah, very odd to bring that up, but it is Kirk Cousins. And at times you just have to go, well, well. I'm giving a pat on the head. It's very odd. Kirk, good job. I'm Sometimes rustling he says hair. stuff that's odd. I'm doing the old hair wrestle. I mean, in all honesty, if he plays this way and goes 8 for 10 or completes the passes, gets yards per attempt, he shouldn't be concerned about anything else. So, uh, all right. Well, that'll do it for us. We will continue on a daily basis. If you are not familiar with it yet, for some reason, uh, we are live over the air on AM 1500 uh, every day from 2 to 4. But if you're just a podcast listener, then we thank you for that as well. And uh, check out scorenorth.com for our reaction columns to the game. And we will catch you next time on the Purple Daily Show. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Some people celebrate the holidays, but you, you dominate the holidays. You deck the halls, the 
mantle, and anything else that will stand still. You deserve a bold cold brew that's as festive as you. Topped with creamy cookie butter cold foam, covered in cookie butter crumbles, and perfectly pairable with our new cookie butter donut, Dunkin's Cookie Butter Cold Brew is a delicious match for your decked-out domination. America runs on Dunkin'. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.